2: On February 17, 2014, Jonathan was interviewed by the police. That was before Gage was ever brought in for questioning. Even though they drove to the party together, both Gage and his cousin Jonathan asserted that Jonathan did not leave the party with Gage that night. But if you listen carefully, their police interviews may indicate otherwise.
1: He ran down the hill and he swung and hit him. He didn't really know if his arm hit him or if he actually connected or what. And I guess they both, from him running down the speed, and I guess they both pretty well collided bottom line. Even if he was hitting him afterwards and they both tumbled down, and I guess he got on top of him. I don't really know if he threw <coughs> a punch or was hunter punches, but... <coughs> hey. Ain't got the money I guess. I I didn't have to hang into grip to us, pocket refined money with it and then and all of a sudden the cops showed up
2: and You're listening to Speaking of Crime with your hosts, Gia and John. Just so you have the timeline right in your mind, let us clarify the order of things. Jonathan initially spoke to the police on the 17th. Then Gage came in later in the evening on the same day for his first interview. A couple days later, on February 19th, Gage was called back in for a second police interview. Remember, Jonathan initially called in to Crime Stoppers when he learned of the $15,000 reward, and he wanted to cash in on that reward. He mentions it right off the bat, within the first two minutes of the police interview. Before we play the audio clip, we just wanted to let you know that the sound quality of the police interview is very poor, and has sections that are quite staticky and maybe loud in your headphones, so you may want to adjust your volume level.
1: Just tell me why I you here tonight. I mean, i seem that a family officer... Author- or son or grandma lost her and Uncle lost her nephew, and Grandma lost you know, just anything like that. And my baby never told them, I just,
0: and you know, I knew, I
1: knew in a noticeable way. I, you know, I, I'm, if people I knew, we know everybody. So, And I see some someone put $15,000 for a five day missing person, there was something serious going on. So, I just came in, you know.
2: Praveen's body was found on February 18th one day after Jonathan's interview. So on the 17th, when Jonathan was interviewed, no one could have known if Praveen was still alive or not. Except for the murderer, of course. So it's very telling that Jonathan keeps saying a family lost their son, a grandma lost their grandchild, and keeps using the word lost when referring to Praveen. He clearly knows more than he is telling the police. The detective then asks Jonathan to tell him about the night of February twelfth and asks what he was doing that night.
1: Did a little work for my grandma and grandpa, and uh, went to my buddy Dylan's house, which I told you about. Him, me, and my buddy Preston and games, all over to Farmville. So at the party, uh, were you drinking? No. Okay, not drinking. I got sick. Okay, so I was getting sick when we went there. What kind of sick were you? you you Puking. Puking. Okay. I ended up passing out on the couch for about two and a half hours. Were any of your buddies drinking? Yeah. Okay. Was Gage drinking? Not as far as I know Gage drinking. Okay. Was, you know, and that as far as I know,
2: Jonathan tells the police that Gage wasn't drinking, the same story that Gage told the state trooper the night of the crime. It's pretty clear that Gage and his cousin had previously corroborated their stories. However, in Gage's second interview with police, which you will hear soon, he himself admits that he was drinking that night. You
1: had told me that at some point... Uh, Gage decided to leave? Yeah. Okay. And did you go with him? No. Okay. Did Preston Preston or Dylan go with him? He he had asked us. He he said, I'm going home. He goes, I'll run you guys to Frankfurt if you want to go. He goes, I'm just going home. I'm not fooling this anymore. And like I said, as far as I knew, he was stronger, but like there's, you know, what people, like like I was telling her, I know somebody, they 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 can do 10 pills and they look like they, you know, you should take a couple coffee and they are fine to go. Okay. So, what was your plan to get back home to West Frankfurt? Did you have one? No, the main one was if, if, uh, to call him uh, Preston's girlfriend. Well, whatever, friend, whatever. Little we'll love buddy, whatever. Uh, I guess at this point, you know how late this was when Gage decided to leave? I was telling her I know it was in between 10 and 1. Sometimes you 10 and 1? 10 and 1. Okay. Right, right in that area. Okay. I know it was early, but it wasn't late. And you know what, that's the kind of thing I don't think it was up to midnight. Okay. If it was, it was barely in that region. And I mean it was around the area like the time the, the trooper, you know, the, like I told her, I think he had told him to run he asked me to run to like two or three different houses or something. Any of the all of the Ain't home or something
2: like that. Jonathan gives a window of ten PM to one AM when asked what time Gage left the party. And unfortunately, the officer doesn't press him on that and ask for a more precise time frame or any other details. The detective should have asked for much more information. What time did Jonathan allegedly fall asleep at the party? What time was it when he woke up? Was Gage at the house party prior to Jonathan passing out or had he already left? Was he at the house when Jonathan woke up? And if so, do they know what time that was? It's hard to believe that Gage just left his cousin at the party while he was asleep with no way of getting home. All of these questions would have led to not only a more detailed timeline, but could have indicated if Jonathan was being truthful or not.
1: So, Gage left alone at the party, okay. And then when was the next time, well, I guess how did you in that night? Did you stay there? Or did you get a ride home? Yeah, right home. Got right on. Okay. Up to three. They took you back to Frankfurt? Mm-hmm. Okay. When was so the next time you talked to Gage? Next morning, about um, 10 So about Thursday morning? Mm-hmm. Was this in person or on the phone? Yeah, did you picked me yeah. up. Okay. What were you guys doing? We got to go do some more work from Marriott Morgan Wait? Yeah, I think we were going to go do some work on Thursday morning? Yeah. Okay. And did you guys have any conversation about the previous night? Yeah, that's what we talked about. He just said that he was blown. He asked us all if we want to ride. He was leaving. And the kid said he needed a ride, so he gave him a ride. And I guess the kid took him to one house, one or two houses, and was playing around with him. And you know, learned that no one was there. And he started getting on tough with him and reaching over and poking him and stuff. And then I guess, I don't, like I said, I don't know exactly how the $25 came into play. But like I said, like, in the cup holder or something. Thinking think like he reached over and grabbed it. And, Gage asked me to go back like 10 times. They were driving a car and the guy tried to jump out and Gage sped up a little bit. And uh, he goes, no, man, I'm, you're not getting out here, taking my money, when I pulled over, one down 13 pulled over by B-dubs right there, mm-hmm. right by the ditch, the kid ran down the ditch and Gage ran down there and uh, tackled him and <clears throat> got his money back and I guess scuffled around or whatever they were doing, you know, whatever. You know what You'll figure that out when you see him or whatever. And so then they sent Gage him, the cops and a oh, boy took off running. He went up there and talked to a cop and told so the cop, you know, I got we the ride, he stole twenty five
2: dollars and The detective then asks Jonathan how Gage described the person he picked up that night. Pay very close attention to when Jonathan says, I just recognized him, but then quickly changes course.
1: He said he was light skinned, no, he said he wasn't. Like that's like a, all the that's when I started noticing all to him, all the started he wasn't he was he not very tall but he wasn't like a skinnier person. You know, he just, I remember the you leaving, he remember was kind of a cover, kind of a cut up kind of kid. And uh, they told me he was, he was, he was light skinned and everything. And that's how I just recognized and everything just started it came into play. Did you mention anything about uh, this person, like nationality or like was he from a different country, you know? I remember he said something about, like, he's, like, Mexican or Filipino or something like that, you know. He
2: then asks Jonathan how Gage described the fight to him.
1: He ran down the hill, and he swung, and hit him. He didn't really know if his arm hit him or if he actually connected or what. And I guess they both, from him running down the speed, and I guess they both pretty well collided bottom line. Even if he was hitting him afterwards, and they both tumbled down, and I guess he got on top of him and... I don't really know if he threw a punch or a hundred punches, but mm-hmm. uh, he got his money, I guess. I don't know. I didn't if he ripped out his pocket, he had the running with it, and then you know, all of a sudden the cops showed up and... Did Gage say anything about what condition this guy was in physically after the fight? I mean, he just said that he like, he was limping, but he wasn't, he didn't know if it was him limping or maybe falling down the hill or what. He just said he was, just, he wasn't, no, he said he didn't know if he was just slow or if that's just it he was. Okay. He said it wasn't nothing, like, he wasn't, like, on the ground or nothing, but he was just, like, looked like, kind of having a little bit a limp. Kind of hard to get the fence and stuff.
2: You just heard Jonathan reference the fence that Monica mentioned in the last episode. It's a little hard to hear what he says, but at the very end of that last sentence, he said this. He wasn't, like, crawling on the ground or nothing, but he was just, like, looked like he kind of had a limp kind of hard to get over the fence and stuff. This is a thin, barbed wire fence at the bottom of the hill, just before the tree line. So, from where Gage pulled over on the side of the road, you would go down a steep hill, about 10 feet in from there, is where this fence is located. The fence cannot be seen by the naked eye if you're at the top of the hill, and frankly, it's hard to see even if you're closer to it. Monica has driven that same route countless times, and she had no idea there was a fence at the bottom of that hill. It's also a very specific detail for someone to know and mention if they hadn't seen it and weren't at the scene of the crime. Even the way Jonathan describes Praveen struggling to walk is so detailed that it seems like an account from someone who was actually present and witnessed it for themselves. The police could have and should have tracked Jonathan's phone to see if he was, in fact, with Gage that night in the area Praveen was found. Jonathan continued to make attempts to obtain the reward money. The Carbondale police reached out to Praveen's family, suggesting they pay out the reward.
0: They said, uh, so when are you going to give the reward money? And we said, uh, then my husband said, you know, there was a close in the um, thing that we put the reward, like for person uh, who will help find Praveen alive or... Um, help with the criminal uh, investigation, something like that. There was a clause in there. So uh, my husband said, um, we will give the money, but we'll have to find out whether this guy who came up had anything to do with it, you know, and then we will he said, we will, of course, go through you and we will give the money. The money was never paid out. Um, We received a letter, official letter from Carbondale Police a month after Praveen was gone, uh, asking for the reward money and said, if it was, I think I sent you that letter. Um, If it wasn't for Jonathan Jonathan Stanley, uh, we never would have found your son. So it was like kind of them telling us it's your obligation to pay him.
2: Jonathan even had the audacity to contact Lovely asking about the reward. A few days after Praveen was found, he sent her a direct message on Facebook.
0: One of the police officers told me that he keeps calling them almost every day for the money. And he said, don't be surprised um, if you get a knock on your door. And I got scared. So we installed uh, cameras around the house, you know. Um, And then when we had the private investigator, he's like, don't worry, he doesn't even have a car. So he's not going to come to your house. Um, But Jonathan sent um, a message, Facebook message to my Facebook page um, the day after Praveen was found. And... I did not see that till December. See, I was not a Facebook user, a big user at that time. Now I know everything, but at that time, you know, but I was going through my thing and then it said other. And I went, I had tons of messages from all over the world, people sending me condolences. And I scroll through and I see Jonathan Stanley. I'm like, oh my God. So I click on it and it says, Mrs. Wargis, total spelling or everything is you know like I'm Jonathan Stanley. I'm the guy who um, gave the information to the police. Uh, please call me. Uh, I have more information for you. You know, and then then I think a week later he he has another message again. Mrs. Wargis, are you there? See, I did not see that for many months. So at the, by that time, we had uh, uh, the lawyer. So I called him and I said, should I call him? And he said, no, don't don't call him. So I did not call him. But uh, Robinson used that at the trial to question Jonathan Stanley. But Jonathan Stanley had sent Facebook messages to every single person that had a last name Varughese. You know, Varughese is a common uh, last name in our in, in Malay the Kerala community so one uh, one of Praveen's friends he Shiji Waragis he sent a message to him also uh, see people sometimes if it's in the other message they don't see it so he was sending messages to everyone um so we did not pay that money but if you uh, I will send you Jonathan's interview to the police I, when I listened to his audio, I could not understand a single word he's saying. His English is something else. I, I don't know what he's saying. So I had to read the script. Um, so in, in that um, he you know he, he's like, oh, they're offering a lot of money. so they, this kid is uh, uh, some, somebody they love him or something like that. you know so that's his main aim was to collect money. So for the longest time, we thought he was also, I still don't know how much part he did in all this. Because if you listen to his interview, many of the things that he is saying, um, it feels like he was there to see it.
2: Next week, you will hear Gage's second interview for yourself and how the police were either fooled by these two simpleton teenagers or there was corruption in the force and they didn't want to do their job to solve the case. It seems like the latter, considering how much evidence there was and how unbelievable and sloppy both Gage and Jonathan's stories were. If you're interested in this story and you want to know more about the case, you can check out our social media pages. We will be sharing videos of the police interviews, photos, and documents from the case. We are at Speaking of Crime on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and at Crime Speaking on Twitter. Please help us share Praveen's story.